Hush Money is a production of iHeartRadio. This is Hush Money, a show about all the money subjects you're too uncomfortable to talk about. But we're not. I'm Nicole Lappin, money expert and author of the books Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. And I'm Jason Pfeiffer, editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And we believe if you don't talk about money, you're never going to make any of it. So let's start talking. Each episode, Nicole and I will debate a tricky question about money and then bring in a celebrity judge to decide who's right. So let's get uncomfortable. Hey, Nicole, it's good to see you again. You too. It's been too long. I was having separation anxiety. No, way too long. But sadly, we are not back in the studio all the time together yet. Right. Season one is over. Mm. Uh, We're now hard at work planning season two, but today we're creating a little bonus episode to run in the middle of our break. Bonus! And I'm really excited about this one because it's a subject we have been talking about doing for a long time. Should couples combine their finances? It is one of the first big, like, super real financial questions that a married couple can face. Yeah, before you got married, did you have strong feelings on what you wanted to do about it? I I did, yeah. I I had, like, a million and one expectations. But before I tell you about it, let me tell you about Malika Holloway. I think I had um, a million and two expectations. So she had one more expectation than you. Yeah, right, exactly. We we kept count. So here's the thing. Malika grew up in a financially responsible family, and she thought she wanted to marry a man who earned more than she does. The way she says it, she wanted someone who could give her something to aspire to. And then she didn't meet that type of person. She met someone else, didn't she? That is right. It always happens that way. He did not make more than me. You know, he didn't come from a family that was supportive or helpful, didn't really have any business sense or money sense. His, his like motto was, you know, if you have cash, credit doesn't matter. What? That is such a weird personal motto. I know, it sounds like he was a weird dude. He also didn't have a permanent home when Malika met him. Ooh, Malika. I know. And he didn't have a steady job and didn't have a lot of things. But they got married anyway, and Malika was starting to see all these red flags. But at the time, she loved him and really wanted to make this work. And so... Please don't tell me she combined finances with him. Please well, don't to tell start, me. she thought she would want to file taxes jointly. Now, Malika's mom is actually an accountant and had always done Malika's taxes, but this new husband did not want her mom to see his finances. Oh, no, that is the world's largest red flag ever. I know. And so Malika and her husband went to see a professional. We went to one of the tax places. The rep was like, um, told me when he wasn't there, like, if I were you, I would just file separately um, because... You run the risk of, like, owing the government and ended up having to pay some of his bills if you file together. Taxmen to the rescue. Yeah, not all heroes wear capes. (laughs) So after that, Malika told her husband that they were going to file separately. They kept all of their finances pretty much separate after that. And then the marriage fell apart after almost five years. Shocking. Yeah. But good, she's out of it. That's right. And so I asked Malika, when it comes time for her to get married again, if she's with a man whose finances are perfectly in order and who makes good money and who seems really stable, all the good things, will she want to combine finances with him. And she said, no. The lesson she has taken from all this is you have to protect your money. Some people say, well, no, that's like casting a doom cloud over your marriage. And I'm like, no, in today's age, it's just smart. It's just kind of smart because, you know, now I'm like, well, no, marriage is not just this 
this feeling of love and wanderlust and lust and all of that. I'm like, nope, it's a business decision. I am totally with Malika here. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. Even with family or friends, business is business. But I guess you think totally differently. Yes, I do. I mean, my finances with my wife are kind of complicated. I'll explain it to you in a minute. But in general, yeah, I think it's impractical to keep your finances separate. So, okay. Let's get to it, Nicole. You and I are going to debate whether or not couples should combine their finances. And then, as always, we're going to bring on a celebrity judge to decide who's right. And today it is body positivity advocate Katie Storino, founder of the brand Megababe, who has a huge following online and whose divorce made a lot of headlines. Okay, so here's the situation. One in five couples keeps their finances completely separate, and 30% of couples don't even know each other's salaries. You're giving me the stats right oh, off yeah. the top? Right off the top. I mean, we, we've been on break. It's I've been so excited. It's lucky day. I'm so excited to tell you okay, stats. One in five couples keep their finances, finances completely separate. separate. Okay. Yeah. And then 30% of couples don't even know each other's salaries. It's interesting. It's actually... Not cool. No. I'm not okay with it. I'm definitely weirded out by don't even know each other's salaries. I'm fine. if Listen, you do whatever you want to do. I think that you should have your own account. Ideally, yours, mine, and ours. Yeah. And the hours should have a weighted amount so it feels even because you're likely not making the exact same salary. Mm. So if one of in five— Wait, what does that even mean, weighted? So, like, if you make, for easy math, 10 grand and Jen Mm -hmm. makes 100 grand, then you're— Yes, Jen, your wife. Then you would put in, let's say, 10%. So you would put in $1,000 and she would put in $10,000. So 10% feels weighted. Oh, so Versus just putting in, if you said, let's put in five grand, yeah. then that's just a straight dollar amount. To you, that's half of your income. And to your wife, that's like nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's really interesting. That That's like more formal. I can't even imagine bringing that level of financial formality into my relationship. Why not? I don't know. You know why? Because it feels like it's designed to be unwound. It's like we can keep track of exactly what's gone in so that if we need to, we can split it all logically back out. This is your one suit thing. Yeah, it's my one suit thing. Remind us about the yes, one suit from earlier in the first season that the, the Miami Heat, my childhood basketball team, they were playing a playoff game and they had two chances to win the championship and they, they were traveling. And Coach Pat Riley said, everybody pack one suit. We are not playing two games to win. We are going to win the first game and win the championship. Everyone packs one suit because we're not thinking about being there for two games. We are winning on the first shot. And they won. One suit. I love it. It's a real metaphor for life. I hear you. You got married once. You're only going to get married once. You're in it to win it. Right. And that's why you're all loosey-goosey with your finances. Yeah. The thing is, what my wife Jen and I do is not dissimilar to that tip that you just gave, except that we're really loosey-goosey about it and there's some other stuff. So when we got married, we both felt weird just saying, okay, now that we're married, we're just going to dump all of our money into one big pile and move it around, and then we don't know who's is who's, and it's just one big pile. That just felt strange to me. I, I felt protective over my money, even though I was now entering into a arrangement where 
my money was her money. It's all our money. So here's what we did. I kept my checking account and my credit card, and then she kept hers, but we put each other on the other account. So I can access, quote unquote, her account, and she can access mine, uh, but we don't. And then we've built a bunch of joint things. So we have, for example, a Fidelity investment account where money goes, and we've got now like 529 accounts for the kids and all that stuff. But the thing is, we don't keep any kind of record, and we don't systematize how we contribute to the joint stuff, and we don't systematize who pays for what out of our personal accounts. So in other words, we're treating it all as one. Like, I'm buying things out of my stuff, and she's buying things out of her stuff. We're not keeping track of it, and it doesn't really matter. And then, I, like, I did this today. I was at work, and I had looked at my checking account, and I saw that there was more money in there than I generally keep there. So I just went into Fidelity, and I just threw some money into Fidelity. I didn't even tell her I was doing money. it. You just threw some money, like an yeah. arbitrary amount. You yeah, just like closed your eyes, and you banged on the keyboard. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't literally do that, but I, I usually skim off, I like skim off some money and I put it into Fidelity. Okay, so, so let's I say for decided. easy math, you want to keep ten grand in your checking account. Yeah. And so if you have, Tw- if 13, I have twenty, I put ten thousand dollars into Fidelity today. So I looked at my my checking account. Got it. And I was like, I could do without ten thousand dollars in this account. It should go into our joint investment account. And so then I just moved it there. And I didn't tell her. You I didn't, didn't call her. No. She doesn't know. No. It's just magic money. It's just magic money. Well, because she's not keeping track of my bank account anyway. And, and I'm not keeping track of hers. So she sometimes skims off yeah. her checking account and just puts it in whatever. Yeah. Hmm. But we just do it. We do it at random. And we do it whenever it seems like we should move some money. <laughs> and uh, and we don't keep track of anything. I think of it all as one big pile of money. And so now we've started talking about how is it weird that we've continued this structure where it's technically mine and hers. But you are keeping track of it because you're keeping track of it for taxes. Ultimately, you do look at it. Do you guys talk about it at that point? Um, what would we what would there be to talk about? Hey, babe, I found a thousand dollars on the street and I put it into our <laughs> kids college fund. FYI. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like tonight. I will go home. The order of the day here is that I went to work. I moved $10,000 into Fidelity. <laughs> I saw you at a studio. And then I'm going to go home She's and we're going to have dinner. Yes. <laughs> and then over dinner, I'll probably say, oh, I moved some money into Fidelity and also into the kids' college accounts. And she'll say, great. And then we will move beans. along. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And you just assume she's doing the same type of thing? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't distrust her spending in any way. I, mean, that, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is that if you trust your partner, then you trust to combine finances. At this, thank you. You didn't even know you did this. You led me into my other stat. Oh my gosh. I know. Um, oh, I should say that these stats were from a survey that Policy Genius did. So, okay. Among people who don't handle money together with their partner, 20% say they plan to leave the relationship due to money issues. Among couples who do handle finances together, only 4% say they plan to leave their partner due to money issues. In other words... It's a bigger sign of trust is what you're correct. To say. But that doesn't mean that everything has to go together. I mean, you could... Where does... Right. So where does your mortgage come from? Uh, it comes out of my account. So where does... Her pedicure or your pedicure come from? <laughs> um, her pedicure comes from uh, her account. So but, not everything is combined. 
No, no, no. Right. I'm saying we still have this separate account system, but we're not methodical about who gets paying out of what. Like the mortgage comes out of my account because it's just tied to it. Like we had to make a decision when we had a mortgage about whose account does this come out of? And the answer is it's mine. She, when she goes out and buys whatever she buys, whether it's pedicure or lunch, she uses her card. So then it comes out of her account. But, you know, if we're together out to dinner, I'll put my card down, but it's not like we have a conversation about, oh, whose card does this dinner go on? It just happens. It's all one pot of money that's been split up into other pots of money. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird, I'm but confused. it works. I need a chart or a graph I know. or something or I know flow chart. See, but this is why this is what your confusion is the argument for why I feel like it's time to just combine because we've created these structures. But the only way that the structures make sense is if you really, really hew to them. But eight, nine years into a marriage, when you got two kids, like. It's you got ridiculous. Shit to do. You got shit to clean. Yeah, you it's ridiculous. Stuff going on. And just skim off the top. And you cannot and sit around and be like, "Who's whose checking account pays for the Swiffer?" Like, it's stupid. It's no, all but one. That's why you thing. make a system and a process, and that's why you make automatic deductions and automatic payments, and you set it up once in the beginning of the year, and you know you're set for the rest of the year, and it's all good, and you're not thinking about you know where the pedicures are coming from <laughs> and you have one joint account and then you have your personal stuff like whatever you want to do right see but that but that almost says like it's like whatever you want to do in your free time almost makes it feel like everybody's got some kind of secret spending it's like secret spending, spending spending that you don't want your partner to to engage with i don't care if she knows everything that i spend i'm not, not buying not anything knowing, secret. It, but it's like if you have a Pac-Man collection. <laughs> is that coming out of the same pot? Don't make as... fun of me for my Pac-Man collection. <laughs> Mortgage? <laughs> I don't know. I just think that having some autonomy is really empowering and saying we're going to pay for our joint expenses. So the Swiffer, the mortgage, you know, the groceries for the kids, the diapers, the whatever oh. from one account. And then we're going to have our own accounts. And I you think know, I we're misunderstood. Yes, not the first Uh, or the last time, I think I misunderstood what you meant by a shared account. So our shared account is an investment account, right? So we're not like that's not – it's not liquid money. But you're saying like open a credit – like an account. Yeah. yeah, And then pour some money into that and then then all shared expenses come out of that. Oh, that sounds so complicated. What do you mean it sounds complicated? Because how cause... your system sounds so complicated <laughs> to me. It's very disorganized. It's giving me hives. So, and the reason for this is because you like, are you thinking about the end of a relationship in this? Like, are you like, I need to preserve some money in case it's go time? I, I want my own account. Like, what 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 is the what is the point of the maintaining this structure? Yeah, I think you're having your own back at the end. You you want to ideally pack one suit, but I I pack some more. Like, I check a bag. <laughs> and so I just want to make sure that I'm covered no matter what. And this goes for other couples, too, that aren't married. I mean, I've never been married. Maybe this is why. <laughs> or many other reasons. But I, you know, have lived with men. Mm -hmm. in my adult life and you have shared expenses when you're living together 
And then you have stuff that you just do, like, you know, with your girlfriends or whatever. And that doesn't come from the joint checking account that you've created together where you're putting a weighted amount, a percentage, so 30%, let's say, or whatever, of what you're bringing in. You're putting into the joint account where you're paying for shared stuff. And then you're just keeping your own account. You're doing whatever you want to do. It's not necessarily that it's a secret. It's just... You have your independence. Hmm. Alexa, play Miss Independence. <laughs> Somewhere that just actually happened. <laughs> uh, you know, as you know, because I've done this on many other episodes, I like keep thinking back to like what is like earliest memory of noticing something like this. I remember a friend of mine and co- like my first friend from college who got engaged, and then him and his fiance, and they were sitting there going through the grocery bill. And deciding, like, who was going to pay what or whatever. They were, like, dividing up. They were itemizing a bill. Oh, I hate that. And I remember I was watching it and I was like, this is crazy. You know me. Like, I don't want to split a bill ever, 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 like, at a restaurant with anyone. I'd rather just take care of all of it. So it's not getting granular and petty and weird. Mm -hmm. It's just coming up with a process so that you have clarity and expectations from the get-go. I love having these awkward-ish conversations Mm -hmm. um, in my own personal relationship. I just like to confront whatever that is. So it doesn't get weirder. And so you're just like, okay, let's talk about this once. Let's set it up. And that's it. Mm. Would you, thinking back to Malika and how they went and she was going to file jointly for taxes, I mean, like, there's a pretty solid decision somebody's got to make. Would you do that? You, as you as you may know. Married, filed jointly yeah. results in lower income taxes. Right, that's generally speaking. A, that's a thing. Um, so there's some community property states, right? So like California, uh, Texas, Washington, you know, whatever. They're community property states. So in those states, you're going to smush your income together anyway, and you're basically evenly dividing between the two of you. So if Malika gets a W-2 and she makes 50 grand in wages or whatever, and she has like $8,000 in federal income tax withheld, then each spouse is reporting 25 grand and 4,000 in taxes paid, even if you're filing separately. That's happening already in a community property state. I'm so glad you said that instead of me. There was no way I could have explained that. Rich, Mitch. (laughs) Right. So we filed jointly. And I mean, that was never a question. I'm happy with that. I mean, but did you actually look at the nitty gritty of your tax situation? Or is that just because you're so romantic and you packed one suit and you're like, everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies and we're just going to be loosey goosey and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, the in, in that case, it's just because Brooklyn. we asked an accountant what we should do, and he said, file jointly. And do you remember why? Uh, oh, I, I mean, he just said that because we would save money. That was enough for me. I mean, I was not afraid of the symbolism of it. Like, let's, yeah, let's combine. I mean. But what if you, it, in your particular case, yeah. it, you would have saved money by filing separately? If we would have saved money, then I would have filed separately. Because I don't care. I, that's like one thing. I don't care what the how the government sees us. What's more important is how we run our household finances. We and, agree on that. Yes. Ah, ah. So nice. <laughs> so yeah, whichever one is going to save you the most money. Yeah. I'm here for that. I feel like it's time to bring in the third perspective because we've got unmarried gal, we've got married guy, and we've got Katie Storino, divorced and remarried gal, who I'm sure she has quite a lot 
to say about the experience of dealing with two finances. And now she makes a lot more money than she did back then. So she got stuff. See, that's what happens. She packed two pretty dresses and she wore the second one. Turned my metaphor against me. All right, let's talk to Katie. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Katie Storino is a whole long list of things. She's an entrepreneur, social media influencer, body positivity advocate, founder of the innovative beauty brand Megababe. And a few months ago, we at Entrepreneur Magazine included her in our 100 powerful women list. Plus, she has a new podcast called Boob Sweat, where she tackles taboo subjects, which is great because we have a taboo subject to tackle with Katie today. So first, Katie, thanks for coming on Hush Money. (laughs) Thanks for having me. So our subject of the day is whether couples should combine their finances. I say yes, combine them because I think keeping your finances separate is like preparing yourself for separation. Nicole says no, only combine enough to cover your living expenses because what's yours is yours, baby, and you never know when it's time to go. So now, Katie... You get to combine your good wisdom with one of us. Who's right? Me or Nicole? You guys, I I really hear. Okay, it's not a simple answer because, yes, like keeping an account to the side, Nicole, does say that like keeping it separate. It does say, hey, I'm prepared and I'm ready to go. But Mm -hmm. as someone who got divorced and and did go all in. Ah, I was going to ask. I did. So marriage, when I went all in, combined the finances, and guess who got effed on this? Can you say fucked on this yes. show? Yeah. yeah. Guess got who fucked. got fucked? I did. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And you didn't have a secret account? or had No secret account. Stash? I went all in because oh. I was like, I'm here for the long haul. Right. I'm here. here I'm committed. We're married. Like, this is, this is what married people do. Right. And now I'm remarried and I have a wonderful partner and I do not believe in combining finances any longer. Mm. So, so you're win, you're going. So I guess Nicole wins. Yeah. You know, Jason, I like that you you have this um this very nice view of combining the finances because I think a lot of people do. They I think it does 
anchor you and it makes things much more complicated if you were to separate. But having gone through that separation, I, I don't think I could do that again. So can we back up to like you marriage number one? Yeah. Did you go all in immediately? Like, did you guys decide, you know what, as soon as this knot is tied, we're getting a bank account, we're pouring everything into it, we're going. Yeah, was that, was my, okay. that was my, like, I was pushing for that. Was and it a discussion? It was a discussion. I was like, I was like, hey, like, we're building for the future. Now, did he have secret bank accounts? Probably. Oh, also, shit. this is something that I always remember every time I walk into my Chase branch on 23rd and 10th, the guy who was setting up the account, I was like, we're opening a joint account. We just got married. Like, I was so excited. <laughs> and he was like, he looked at me dead in the eyes. He was like, I'm getting a divorce. You should keep a separate account. Whoa. Wow. And I was like, what? Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> at Chase. Yeah. And, and guess who should have listened to the guy at Chase? Me. Wow. Yeah. So, so every Shout time out I walk to in- <laughs> bitter Chase employees everywhere. I know. I know. And I just, money is so stupid and complicated. But yeah, the, I think that as a, especially as a lady, you got to protect yourself. Have your own back. Yes. And you don't go into it thinking you're going to get divorced, no. but you don't go it's into a power a job chip. thinking you're going to It's a power chip. fired or nope. go into a yeah. business yeah. thinking it's going to fail. No. Except for Jason. He's very romantical. Right. <laughs> just diving in. I am too. I'm diving in uh-huh. all the time on everything. I'm going deep. Yeah. But I'm just saying on that on that money part, I would be a royal Dumb, dumb. If I was like, if I put myself in that same position. So, how did that conversation happen with your new husband? New husband is so. He took my last name. He's such an wow. advance. He's just like such a feminist and like so supportive of my career. And we have we live in totally separate fields. He's in law school, and like I'm, you know, I make like boob dust. So <laughs> I, 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 but he's, he's like my number one fan and I'm his number one fan. And he's like, great. I don't care. You want to sign a prenup? Fine. Like I'm not here for any of that. So you signed a prenup? Yes. And how did that go? Easy. Like a lot of couples sign it and then they put it in the fire or whatever. And they're just sure. like, we're going to forget about this. We're not living by it. You know, I do think, I think prenups are much more about realistic protection and it's just like real it's uncomfortable for like a week and then you like you just do it Mm -hmm. like it's very uncomfortable to have him have to get a lawyer to like do like do you know what i mean like that's it's uncomfortable totally i mean you're adding a real businessy element to your boner killer yeah sure is yeah do you have dust for that (laughs) (laughs) there should be Yeah. So did you how, how did that conversation happen? I mean, did you say, listen, I made this mistake with combining the finances the first time. I just can't make it again. Doesn't mean that I don't trust you, but I got to do it different. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I get it. Mm. And he was, and also he got a divorce as well. And he was like, yeah, I don't care. Like, great. You want to run the show? And great. Hmm. Did yeah. you feel like you weren't going to get married again after yes. that experience and maybe yeah. just have like a life partner and not go through all the logistical Yeah, stuff. I was going to have like a lot of um, one of those cushions that you sit on, um, not bean bags, but like, you know, those like the poofs, like, like <laughs> it's going to have like an apartment with like a lot of poofs Perfect. in it, with like a lot of light um, and just like live and like partners come and go. But like, I'm still there with all like my, my great apartment, but I met John and I like had a reason to believe that you could be with someone and find like a good partner in life. And that was something I did not expect to find 
certainly after you get a divorce, a divorce, it's a it's a raw time. The money shit is really what makes it bad mm-hmm. because it's bad enough that maybe the divorce ended because someone was unfaithful or they don't want to be with you or whatever, whatever reasons a, a marriage can end. And then the money stuff comes and you're like, what? I'm trying to like breathe. And you're trying to tell me that like, I don't have any money. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. But it yeah. sounds like you learned from the mistakes that you made. Yeah, I did. Unfortunately, you learn a lesson, right? You learn you got to only trust you. But sometimes people repeat those same things over and over again. Yes, you're right. you. Yeah. But I'm going to guess totally didn't see it coming. Like that was an element of the divorce. Let's be very clear. I did not see it coming on any front. Mm -hmm. People are always like coming up to me and being like, good for you. You left, didn't you? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I didn't leave. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, what kind of advice would you give, like, I've never been married? What would you tell me going into it? Get a prenup. I just think as we get married later in life, you've had a whole life before you meet your partner often. And, like, you've worked really hard to do things. And unfortunately, things can, you know, life can throw you a curveball. What do you guys do now? What is your structure of your finances with your husband? Um, we have a separate finances. Like entirely? 100%. Who pays yeah. the rent or mortgage or whatever? Um, he's in school right now, so I pay the rent, and he's responsible for, like, the cable or, like, we kind of divide it household chore-wise. So he's responsible for, like, certain things in the house, and I'm responsible for... It's probably more of a flipped, stereotypical male-female role situation. Hmm. And so I am I probably do what most, quote-unquote, husbands do. If I'm just being really 1950s about it. And do you feel like making more money in this marriage versus the last one makes you have a different dynamic? Um, It was the last relationship with so many different dynamics. It wasn't money. It wasn't. It just. Here's the thing. I know a lot of ladies in life that are like, I got to hide this from my husband or like Jeff would never let me. And I'm like. Jeff would never let me what? Like, I make the choice. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want for me. You want to be Jeff. Yeah, I want to be Jeff. <laughs> I want to be Jeff. Being, yeah, I don't want to be the person being like, I can't do this because you said no. Like, no. Like boss. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to be in the driver's seat financially because I'm burdened with the choices for, like, how to invest and how to do that kind of stuff. But he's there with me to talk about it. So do you feel pressure, like, as an entrepreneur to maintain a certain level of success for your lifestyle? Yes. And then, because if you would have told me 10 years ago what I'm making now, I would have been like, what? <laughs> but then, like, every year you're like, the Level stakes, up. yeah, the stakes get raised. And you're like, so I've, I've been trying to figure out not a financial point, but more like what life looks like to feel comfortable. Because I don't think there's ever a number. It's not. There isn't. Right? I've gone through that myself. Okay. I'm going through that. Ah. Because I make significantly more than I certainly did a couple years ago. And I have the option now to, I have these like ways to make money. I can go and speak and they will pay me a kind of absurd amount of money to do it. And yet, as you level up in your own like financial career, you start to be surrounded by people who are a level or two above that. And so you start thinking relatively. And it's not like I'm doing it in a jealous way, but just the 
the like my relative vision is different right because mm-hmm. now i know all these people who make all this money right mm-hmm. and it's like uh, the, the amount of money that i make on a on a speaking gig which i used to think was absurd now i think is actually kind of small because i know these people who make mm-hmm. two or three times the amount mm-hmm. and you just become more and more aware of what is potentially available to you and so it makes it feel like it's never actually enough how do you shield yourself from that do you just stay in the same house you stay have the same friends and you don't go on a different vacation how do you keep it it's a really good question. Right? Uh, I don't want to know sometimes. Like, I don't yeah. want to know what's out there, what I'm not getting, because I think it it robs you sometimes of feeling like you've, like you've accomplished something, for yeah. me at least. Well, I think that, first of all, you have to have a core understanding of who you are and what you value. And then you keep your network oriented towards that. Like my, fr- I think that the majority of my friends are a little on the level of of me, which is to say that we're not like flashy materialistic people, but we're also ambitious and we like to accomplish. Um, but it's not necessarily about making the money, right? I'm, it's not right. like a models and bottles crowd. Sure. It's a we do good things and some money will come and that's awesome. But that's not. And also, I, you know what? It probably helps to also have someone close to you who has a pretty different financial perspective. So my wife does not feel the kind of comfort that even I feel as I don't feel satisfied in my financial life, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So she'll be like, oh, we can't afford this. Or, if I, you know, if we're, if, we're, if we're somewhere, maybe we'd look at this hotel and it costs like $100 more a night. And she's like, but that's so expensive. And you know what? Frankly, we can afford it. Right. And I then have to convince her that we can afford it. And I do that by being like, but then I just went and I gave this talk. Right. And it, that give and take is really helpful and healthy to be constantly reminded of that money is money and uh, mm. things still cost things and you can't just go throwing it all around. <laughs> I don't know. Did that, was that, was that an intelligent observation or was that just me rambling? No, I, I think I, I, my question is, so then is staying at the fancy hotel okay? I mean, it's also the idea of defining what having it all is because we constantly get in this zone of like we'll be happy when we get this mm-hmm. and then we get there and then almost immediately we change the goal poster on ourselves right. so it's like your former self would have been stoked by this speaking fee and so I think it's figuring out what that definition is and stop constantly changing the goal post on yourself because you never get your brain then to the other side of happiness yeah but you know what it's also being okay with that being the thing. Like when I was living in Boston and I got a job at Men's Health in New York and I was going to move to New York and start my like national magazine career. And I was uh, dating this girl and she did not want to move. She did not want any part of this. And so I was really torn and I was talking to my parents and I remember my dad was like, what is the expectation if you stay and you don't pursue the thing that you want next? Because the thing is... It never ends. Like, there's no end goal. It never ends. So the thing that you need to do is to continue to move. Take that next step. Take that next step. Take that next step. And that's satisfying as long as it's satisfying for you. And there's no point at which you're going to arrive at something and say, oh, I'm here. Like, you're not going to do that. So keep going and be okay with that. And just don't let it consume you. Just let it be the natural part of you. That is very good advice. Yeah, thank you. Or I, yeah. I'm not even saying thank you. My dad no, says thank I you. I think, yeah, you're, thank you. This makes me think of a nice kind of concluding 
thought here, which is um, you have done a good job in your career of getting people to like face the uncomfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, not every relationship, I think, for example, would be about making sure that your husband is as less sweaty as he possibly can be. <laughs> right. You're like you're checking out the sweat. <laughs> but talking about money is similarly uncomfortable mm-hmm. just um, without powder. And so what is your advice for managing uncomfortable questions and conversations? I think the things that we hide from often end up becoming little shackles and keep us in like a little jail cell. And once you start to face some of that stuff, it feels more freeing. So I'll take the example of thigh chafe. Feeling uncomfortable about it and letting it push you into a spiral because you're like, why do my thighs touch? I don't have a thigh gap. Like it's this little spiral. But when you own it and you say, hey, my thighs rub together, you free yourself even though that's a small thing, right? Talking about it helps you free yourself. It takes away some of its power. Yes. Yeah. Wait, that was, you know what, a much better way of putting it. But yes, (laughs) that's exactly it. And with your husband, you just were super open and talked about the financial split. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, So bottle that, girl. Yeah. (laughs) We need some dust to help others. Talk about the hush money. (laughs) I think you guys got it. Well, Katie Storino, a.k.a. Jeff, who's calling the shots. <laughs> we appreciate you being here. You guys, this was so fun. <laughs> well, I lost that debate, but I am okay with it because, I mean, how can you argue with personal experience like that? You can't argue with the mega babe. You can't. She's the mega babe. You know, I think the most important thing that Katie was talking about there was how it really all just comes down to how you talk about it. And she's so open about it. And she was like, listen, bad experience. I want to do this differently next time. Has nothing to do with the relationship. We're going to be all in except for this one thing. I think the biggest issue couples have is if they just don't talk about it at all, regardless of whether they feel that everything should get smushed together or everything should be separate. It doesn't really matter just as long as you have that conversation and do what's right for you guys. Well, so watch this as a segue. Ready? Nicole, you and I are going to have many more conversations, but there's going to be a little more of a break because we're continuing to create our next season. So this was it for a bonus episode. It was really nice to be back with you. It was the nicest to be back with you. And we'll see everybody soon. Keep watching your feed. And that is Hush Money. Hey, are you subscribed to Hush Money wherever you get your podcasts? You should be. And please give us a rating, which helps others find the show. It sure does. And if you want to keep up with us on social, I'm at Nicole Lappin. Jason is at Hey Pfeiffer. And for the podcast specifically, it's at Hush Money Podcast on Instagram. We've got great people to thank. Our amazing producer is Christina Everett. Thanks also to Mangesh, Hatikador, Will Pearson, Beth Ann Macaluso, and Nikki Etor, and the rest of the great iHeart team. Our sound editing is by Mary Duke. And a special thanks to my badass NBG team, Sabrina Anderson, Megan Nelson, and Kate Garrison. Hush Money is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hush Money.